You'll Die Trying contains sensitive subject matter and conversations surrounding death and dying and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is respectfully advised. I think I'm starting to get the hang of this, everyone. Welcome back. You know, at a wedding reception when people start dancing and then they beg you to join, but you haven't had enough to drink to feel good about it, even though you do know how to dance and you're the guy standing off to the side. That's how I felt these last few episodes on my own, but I'm settling in. I've surrounded myself with an incredible group of people to get the show to you week after week. I suppose... Micah is now the bona fide executive producer, reading scripts and ideas, steering the concepts and subject matter. Andrew, the same, always gung-ho, and they're always working on show notes. And everyone meet Haley, not Haley as in Haley McGinnis, Haley, Haley Rice, the newest member to Morris Family, who's driving the social media bus on all of our platforms. Speaking of platforms, be sure to check out some exclusive behind the scenes that you'll only find at You'll Die Trying on Instagram at You'll Die Trying Podcast. Of course, follow me at Nathan Morris on Insta and to visit You'll Die Trying.com. Click around, visit the store, grab some swag and merch. We have some awesome things. We also have some awesome mugs, tumblers, if you will. You can put some coffee, some big turkey foot, or some wine or whatever else you want to, but grab you a big, big old, big old pound of big turkey foot coffee. And as a reminder, not that they don't have enough on their plate, head over to YDT, that's You'll Die Trying, the obituary at the end of this show to listen to Andrew and Micah's take on the topic at hand because each and every week the obituary releases simultaneously to You'll Die Trying. A show which pulls back the curtain, takes down the walls brick by brick and exposes the true hearts of those caring for those whom you love so much. Season 2, episode 122, coming at you. In 1994, I was nine years old. Careless, bowl cut, bike trick extraordinaire. My biggest worries were my constant outgrowing of my rollerblades. Yeah, and wanting to be a garbage man, but you know that story. Nothing more. Parents who make their children feel this sense of wonder and awe, and in no way anxious and fearful. Good job. I didn't really have many of those at this time. Catherine Spaulding Elementary School was my space. Kickball games, steal the bacon, bike rack hangouts, literally living the dream in my white polo and navy khaki pants. Timothy Michael Richeson, one of the most handsome Young men I've known. A baby face. He has blonde hair. Funny. 
He's just the look the Hallmark movies try to find for their new-to-the-neighborhood, city, town, ski lodge role. Timmy, I call him. You didn't see him at a lodge or waxing his surfboard, no. He was out in the dirt and the neighborhood playing with all of us, his much younger cousins. This, when I say it, it really is a too-good-to-be-true story. Truth, nonetheless. Everyone knows what a four-wheeler is, but back in the 90s, you had a three-wheeler, a death machine, a much more dangerous and increased arm or leg-breaking machine. My younger brother called it the Ferris wheel. He was six. What a goob. Timmy would drive us. His younger brother, Casey, too. Casey was just as cool. Their parents, my aunt and uncle, had this amazing house. It was on a corner lot. The road to the neighborhood bent right in front of their residence from west to south. Behind their home was an open field, no fence. The neighborhood was still developing, I believe, at this time, and Uncle Mike had this dog kennel in the backyard. These weren't just dogs. These were Mike's, Uncle Mike's other kids. Trained, disciplined, loyal These were his hunting dogs. Timmy and Casey always had to walk us to the kennel to see the dogs when we were over there. I mean, it was the coolest thing ever. Their house was the go-to for sleepovers. Holiday celebrations like 4th of July. It was loud. It was bursting with activity nonstop, this house. The sliding glass door from the backyard entered you into the kitchen We'd sit at the table as cousins for lunches and dinners. Aunt Kathy was always feeding us something with Casey, Eric, myself, and whoever else. Bless your heart, Aunt Kathy. 1994, Timmy graduated from Apollo High School, a local school here where we all grew up, 18 years old. Actually, he had just turned 18 right before graduating. He was the young kid in his class, which is funny because I ultimately was too. The only classmate of mine younger than I, I believe, was Lindsay. May 6th, I'm sure, was an exciting day turning 18 for Timmy. I'm sure an amazing celebration happened. When we hit these pivotal and memorable birthdays, 16, 18, 21, 40, we celebrate in special ways. Some of these I have encountered already. I wasn't with Timmy on his birthday. I was nine. But anytime Timmy was around the house when I was around, uh, I was with Timmy. Quick to include, make you feel special, throw you on his shoulders, Timmy, the most badass cousin in the world. Newly graduated, world by the balls. I was at my cousin's house on my mom's side on this summer day. David and his brother, ironically, Timmy, too, were probably lighting fireworks off in the garage with our other cousin, Michael. He's such an awesome influence, aren't you, Michael? while I watched nervously. 
fireworks, I'll let you know, have always scared me in this ridiculous way. Now that I'm older, I've realized it's the loud bang, which has always bothered me. I have that sound sensitivity thing, hyper uh, whatever something, look it up. There are baby photos of me always putting my hands on my ears, over my ears. It's hilarious. Christmas parades, when the fire trucks came, I can still remember the audible panic. Nonetheless, stuffed animals exploded in this garage. Aunt Teresa, their mom, in her defense, is oblivious. We, to her, are saints and very sneaky. <laughs> this, this day... July the 6th, mom called Teresa and said there had been an accident. I overheard that. What accident? Time trucked on the way time does for kids after this call. There's never a recollection of how much, and of course, kids don't even have a clue of the time. We don't care then mom shows up in her Nissan Maxima station wagon. It was the one where it was so ugly. It was like mustard yellow. You'd open the back right door and it would say, left door open. She pulls up in her station wagon into the skinny driveway, parking beside Teresa's house. Casey, my cousin, brother to Timmy, was in the front seat. I remember he had on a big oversized white t-shirt with some design on it. You know how we would wear those huge shirts as kids in the 90s. He was walking differently. My mom looked out of sorts. Casey walked up to myself and David and Timmy and told us Timmy died. I was so confused. What do you mean dead? We just saw him. We were playing with him. He's young. He, old people die. Casey, I remember, was stoic carrying the weight of a thousand armies on his back as a preteen. He then told us he was staying the night at our house that night. I, I don't remember leaving David and Tim's house. I don't remember what we did until we arrived back to mine. Aaron and John, my brothers and Casey without his. I remember us sitting on Aaron's bed in his room at one point, my older brother, and Casey had the wherewithal to acknowledge with confidence that Timmy was with us, not physically, but his presence is with us. Quite a challenging thought for my nine-year-old brain. My cousin is dead. No more Ferris wheel rides, no more shoulder rides, no more seeing his awesome hair, except there was. 
the funeral home. My brothers, mom and dad piled in the car and drove to the funeral home. We parked the car. We waited for the other family members, aunts, uncles, cousins, to gather. We all walked in together. I remember having to be shuffled in like an animal being coerced into a pen. It's not because I was scared. What was in the door? I've never been here. I I knew Timmy died and I was told that morning I'd see him this day. I was nervous, like throw up nervous. Kids aren't really exposed to a funeral home, luckily, and I never had been. The sun was out this day. It was a beautiful summer day. We walked the path from the parking lot to the front entrance, made our way through the foyer as a group, and toured the room. It was located straight through the foyer, with two sets of pocket doors on the right and a mirroring set of pocket doors across the hall from us on the left. My little mind saw a name above that door too. So another dead person. I was in the back of our family crowd, but I was tucked out enough to see Aunt Kathy's face closest to the door, nodding to the funeral director to open the doors to enter. The sound, instant, audible heartbreak. Grief shows itself in ways one can never explain. I will forever remember how our family expressed it this day. My heart right this moment is beating fast going back to that. There he was, Timmy, forever sleeping in his beautiful, this beautiful casket. His outfit was so nice, white, button-up. I now realize a mother and father had to go through their teenage boy's closet to pick this. I remember he smelled so nice. His hair was just the same. I remember Casey joining me at Timmy's casket and permitting me to hold his hand. Colder, but the same hand I always knew. Then they came. In droves, they came. Our small family unit and group who gathered in a cluster for our private hour and time were quickly swallowed up by the extended family and friends who loved Timmy too. I had never seen so many people in all of my life except at Disney World when I was seven. I sank and snuck away to the kids' room. I was tired of feeling nauseous. I found my mom in the crowd, finally, and asked to go home. Mom, of course, wasn't going to leave. And with no cell phones, 
I'm not sure how she contacted grandmother, but she did. And my grandmother came and picked me up. And that, that my friends, as I pulled away in her Toyota Corolla, looking out the window at the funeral home disappearing, was the first experience I had with death and the last time I physically saw my cousin, Timmy. I didn't go to the funeral. I could have. I didn't. I didn't understand. That remaining summer was different. Of course it was. I was a grieving little boy who didn't know I was grieving. Our family dynamic shifted. A laughing, fun-loving family wasn't as much and not for a long while. Timmy is forever 18. Today, in birthdays, he's 45. His grave space is visited often, if not by me, then others, but I do go. He's close to my mama and papa and Richard, who have since died too. His grave is marked with this huge, beautiful bronze flat monument. His mother and father have their spaces already next to him, of course. Dr. Carroll calls grief your dancing partner, always moving, shifting, swaying with the days and moments. Time does nothing, so don't Rely on that. Rely on support and love and those glimmer of peaceful and joyful moments. I'll tell you the biggest piece of advice that I can give and think of right this moment. Speak to someone who has died in present tense. They're very much alive, just differently. When people call our homes requesting a copy of a death certificate from 1995, we could say, what was your mother's name? Well, her mother's name was and is Susan. So instead we ask, what is your mother's name? Get it? I'll end this episode the only way I know how. But first, I am so glad I get to be Timmy's cousin. I don't know who the director was caring for my cousin. I know now how he felt. They probably didn't personally even know Timmy, but they didn't have to in order to feel to feel this to carry it home with them. While they sat around the dinner table with their family, every bite they took, they thought of him, of us, to feel anxiety the night before the visitation and again before the funeral. Are the cars cleaned? Is the procession order finalized? What stays in Timmy's casket? What comes out? Is everything ready for tomorrow? Whoever it was, they were and are special. 
what they did, what they carried with them in order to lighten the load of my aunt and uncle, my cousin, if only a little. Funeral directors, you are truly needed. You are truly appreciated. See you next time. Timmy, Timmy. Inside your door A massive world to figure out With the lovely by your side And a needed pair of goggles You swam away Now we're without you Swim away this minute hand and never stop.